Welcome everyone to the e-commerce made simple podcast. I'm Jérôme de Guigny, your host today. And we will be talking today about Brexit. So like for French person have an English host uh, and to be able to talk about Brexit is a bit like, you know, the cherry on the cake. So let me enjoy a bit that part. Joel, how do you feel after one year of Brexit? No, oh, it's a roaring success, isn't it? <sighs> In case you can't tell, I'm being very sarcastic. Um, in actuality, I, I, I don't. There was a lot of kind of empty shelves in the shops before Christmas. There was a lot of that going on. I think we're heading for more of that. I think we're heading for higher prices. I think, which we've already seen. Um, it's a it's a rip roaring success and a wonderful thing, and I'm so very glad it happened. I'm really not glad it happened. Um, I would remain. I don't mind saying that. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Let's put it that way. When you look specifically at e-commerce, every time you put tariffs, any every time you you put you make business more complicated. You're not helping people to create uh, value and to make money. So, but that's that's my point. The point is that indeed Brexit has happened, and in terms of e-commerce and specifically Amazon, it's got. It had a lot of impacts. Having Gary Huang, who's the founder of the Seven Figure uh, Seller Summit, and he's going to talk to uh, talk to us about like how to expand post Brexit. What was the impact of Brexit, and how to go further? Because as business people, we can't like once a political decision has been taken, you need to be proactive and and you know prepare for the future. This world is a very much post-Brexit world, right? So how could you get ready? How you can you expand, sail in that? Because there's still a lot of complexity. So I think that is super useful for anyone who wants to expand and expand in Europe after Brexit has happened. So everyone, enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Seven Figure Seller Summit live masterclass series today i'm super excited to have jerome from e-commerce how's it going jerome i'm great thank you very much that's my, my pleasure and today it's it's kind of a special um live training that we're gonna have uh jerome is gonna show you how to expand to amazon europe um especially right now you know post brexit there's so many changes going on so he's really going to give you the inside look how to do things right when you want to expand your business to amazon europe okay and uh, because we are live if you can see and hear us could you please type in the chat your name and where you're joining us from and we would appreciate that okay and this is actually um the first time that we're doing this at a time that's more friendly to our european audience so I'm kind of excited to see like who's going to show up. Maybe we'll get some new faces. All right. So please type your, your name and where you're joining us from. So um, I'd like to quickly introduce Jerome first before we begin. So Jerome is the founder and managing director of e-commerce, e-commerce made simple. And he's an Amazon expert with 20 years of experience in brand management and distribution and with a really inside out knowledge of how Amazon works. And Jerome and his team of e-commerce experts, they work with major multinational brands to really develop strong Amazon strategies. And also he helps coach their management and operations to help carry them to success. So I was having a chat um, several weeks ago, and I know that Jerome 
really has a lot of inside information. He likes to help you guys, um, especially I know a lot of you guys may not be selling EU yet. And, you know, we had a lot of uh, pre-submitted questions about Brexit, about VAT, about, you know, selling in EU and setting up a company. Um, so he's going to cover a lot, but I'd love to make this interactive. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to drop that in the chat. Okay. And then meanwhile, meanwhile, I'd like to quickly welcome um, a couple of people that are joining us live. Uh, welcome to Ben from London and Sharon from Brisbane. Good day. And Grant from New Zealand. So excellent. We have a pretty global audience so far. All right. So uh, without further ado, Jerome, um, I'd like to turn things over to you. And uh, would you like to begin the, the show? It was a great pleasure. And uh, we've got even people from Luxembourg. Welcome, Antonio and uh, Sandy, also from Delhi. So uh, I'm super excited to have this uh, wide audience. And like uh, COVID has uh, it's been a, like a tough uh, thing for all of us, but it's also now we have so many occasions to see so many people uh, through thanks to technology. And fun fact, I just uh, like an hour ago, I got my first shot of the, the COVID vaccine. So if, if you see my, my eyes start to shine too much and, and me getting too much off off track. So Gary, do, <laughs> do, do you bring me back here? So like today um, is uh, for us a topic we've been yeah, talking about for a long time, actually, Brexit has been a bit of a drama. Uh, COVID has sort of made people forget, but it was a topic for like two or three years nearly now. And it has some impact in on the on the way we're doing business, on the way uh, you can approach uh, Europe and, and doing business in Europe. So the, the the idea today is really to go over, okay, what it means and uh, uh, share what we've been doing and how we've helped uh, brands uh, navigate that and what we believe are the best uh, strategies to uh, go around or to make them, you know, uh, not being hurt too much by the changes on Brexit. So. If anybody's got questions, I'll be happy to. Uh, so Gary will, will help me also uh, with the questions, but you do do ask them as soon as you want, and uh, I'll be happy to uh, do my best to answer all of them. So the topic here is really Brexit, Amazon, and therefore very much Europe. So two words about ourselves. Uh, E-commerce is an agency which is um, primarily based in, in Europe, but we have an office also in India. We've got a big team which is speaking, I think, more than 15 languages now. Um, and obviously all the European languages, uh, we've, we always, we often brag that we have more than 100 years experience on Amazon and e-commerce in general through all, all of the team. Um, and we have brands from the setting their strategies to, to implementing, handling their accounts and to, to doing all the advertising side. So that's about us. And we have a lot of brands from the US expanding to Europe. And to be fair, some brands in Europe to expand in Europe, but also in the US. So. We, we have this approach. We have also brands expanding in India, uh, in, in Japan or in Australia on Amazon. So we, we can share a lot of uh, if you have questions about other uh, areas, too. So enough about us and a bit about uh, Europe and uh, what we're talking about. Um, I know I've seen on, on the questionnaire there were a lot of people which were coming from the US. So I like to share this uh, map of if you were taking all the states of, of the United States and you were putting them uh, into Europe, you can see that actually Europe is bigger than the US. 
it, it doesn't cover all of Spain, for example. Uh, and you've got some countries which are left, for example, Sweden, which is an Amazon country, is not, not covered. Uh, and it's just to give an idea that actually the, 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 the European market is bigger than the American market altogether. The thing is, the big difference is that you have different languages, some different currencies altogether, and that each country separately you have to break into. So the main difference is that although in the US you would go, you would grow much quicker, uh, you can lose much quicker also. In Europe, you have to build like country by country patiently. But once you're inside, it's very difficult to get you out first because someone has to go through that country by country approach. And that if you like lose or if a big competitor comes in one country, you've got still the others to protect yourself. So there's an element of uh, Europe being so many different markets and with all those complexities for those who understand it and can control it in a way they will be much they will be in a strong position because we've been with brands in the us if if you have all of a sudden a, a strong competitor comes and you lose a buy box in the us like all of a sudden poof you lose everything in europe you will lose a buy box maybe in the uk or maybe in france but not in germany so you have this thing which will be a much more balancing and Brexit or not Brexit, it still gives you this uh, huge opportunity of a like a huge market, which is also much like easier to control. Now, if we look at the Amazon side, which is the graph on the right, is that um, even though that's 2017, it's more or less the same as like the biggest market in Europe is Germany for Amazon, clearly by far. And the second one is the UK. The other ones are quite far away. So the, the, the like the you have those two major ones, then you will have France, then Italy and Spain are, are battling, and then below you will have the Netherlands and Sweden, and now Poland, which are starting. And Turkey will be a bit behind. So that's sort of the landscape of where you are, where you are and who are the most important markets you, you want to be in. Um, now, if we go a bit into a bit more uh, details, uh, that's the same map, so that's a fun fact. But what I wanted to uh, show here is that um, uh, the the political um, environment of, of, of uh, Europe is a bit complicated because you have some countries with the same currency, the euro. You have some countries which are parts of the U U European Union, and you have some countries which are friends and I'm inside the custom uh, custom area. And those three realities are different. So navigating uh, Europe, it can be complex. And you can see that uh, the European Union in blue is quite a big uh, custom zone. Now, the big difference is that the UK got out of that custom zone. And that means in terms of um, importing, for example, that um, if uh, your products are in, in Europe, uh, for example, in mainland Europe, and you, you send them to the UK, you will have custom duties. Now, if you have a product which has gone once through the customs, normally it's if it's Europe-based, it, once it's done, it's done. What well, the complication comes if your product are coming from China, if you send them to Germany, you will have to pay customs in Germany. If you send them again afterwards to UK, you will have to pay a double time customs. So it has complicated uh, the the supply chain part and send that if your products are outside of the Europe, you will have to ship. One part to one part to mainland Europe, so that could be Germany, France, Italy, Spain, or Sweden, and one part has to go to the UK differently. Otherwise, you can't move from one country to another 
without having some uh, customs and duties and going through customs again. So that makes a big difference because before, you, the UK being in the same sort of uh, customs uh, area, you, you didn't need to do that. So in terms of planning, you need to think about, okay, the UK is a like a different continent a bit, like where you have new customs and uh, new duties and uh, new VAT stuff, okay? So that's the first thing you, you need to be uh, careful about. Gary, sure. can, can I yeah. ask a quick question? Um, I think that's a very important um, fact to consider. And uh, if I understand correctly, after Brexit, UK is considered just totally outside of EU, right? So let's say if you want to, if you ship your products, um, let's say from China to UK, and, you know, previously you could do, you know, you could fulfill um, from UK, right, um, to all the different European countries, but now it's out. So um, when you said that you would have to pay like a double tax if I wanted to move those products from UK to like Germany, for example, like how much would that be? Would it be like the VAT or how much would that be? No, so that so that's a million dollar question. That depends on your product category. So it right. could be anything from three percent to ten to fifteen. It depends on the the custom okay. the customs tariff of your category. Okay. So the I thing see. is that it yeah. the the, okay. the what how it's like in a sense Brexit is a bit in a, it's a bit of a joke because the fact that UK it's, the agreement they came uh, with is that UK said okay we're going we are getting out but like 90% we will follow the same rules how they handle the island thing is that they say okay the only way is that okay we say we're out but actually we follow exactly the same rules we just put maybe a different name so the thing is probably the custom tariffs will be more or less the same the, okay. All the rules are more or less exactly the same. It's just put it in uh, a different name. One example is you have a CE marking, which is for yeah. all electrical uh, products. They've done, uh, like, C was the one which was used by everyone. Now the UK created a CA. I think it's UK CA. So it, it's exactly the same. There's no difference, just a different name. So on your packaging, you will have to print CE and UK CA if you want to have to be able. And I think you have one year to do that. That's... So that's like administration kind of thing because the yeah. rules are more or less the same. It's just it's saying, okay, we are outside, but they okay. they committed to follow the same rules actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Thanks. Let's keep going. Indeed. So um, if I go, uh, so, and that pertains a bit to the question you, you had. So if you look at as a seller, what are your different fulfillment options? Um, your first option would be uh, pan EU as uh, which was you know uh, which was happening before. The only thing is today pan EU doesn't include the UK. What what is pan EU? Pan EU is basically you decide you you have one country where you put your products, and you say to Amazon, okay, you can handle the stock where, whichever way you want, and you can send products all over Europe uh, in my name, and that's okay. The, the the complication here is that you need to have VAT number VAT numbers in every country where your stock is. So when you enable PanEU, you need to have the seven VAT numbers basically, or, or the six because uh, because you have uh, Germany, Poland, Czech Republic, France, Italy, Spain, uh, the Netherlands. They has no stock, so at the beginning you don't need it. But basically, that's the, the numbers you will have and probably Sweden as, as you go along. So that's the first option where you say, 
and it's the best option for consumers basically because with pan eu you enable uh, amazon to give that one day delivery promise because otherwise if your product is in germany and you want to deliver to spain there's no way you can get that in one day it's, it's too complicated to go through the uh, uh the borders and everything so that's probably a three days delivery and as you know the one day delivery is a big promise so if you want to the best uh, like customer facing option is this pan EU one. It has some complications because you need to um, you need to make sure that you have all those uh, VATs in the different countries. Talking about Spain, welcome Lindsay, who's from Spain. Um, the second one is the option I was describing is EFN, which stands for European Fulfillment Network. Basically, you say, okay, I put it in Germany. And I ship it to every country. I, I don't want to have uh, uh, stock in every country because I don't want to have the 18 numbers everywhere. I want to have one country. And I'll talk about it. There's an implication for VAT, and I'll talk, it on next, uh, talk about it on next slide. But the, the idea here is you say, okay, I use one as a hub. And for example, that's a good option when you say, okay, my main market is uh, Germany or for instance, we're helping a brand which is selling accessories for swimming pools. Okay, swimming pools are mostly sold in south of Europe, right? So you could say, okay, I base myself in France or in Spain because that's where I, I want to be, and the other markets are much more, much smaller. Okay, so that's that's a second option. And this, the third one actually is you need to look at the UK separately. And the UK, either you stay in the UK and you address only the UK, or you can use also the UK to ship in other countries. The thing is that that's very complicated because you have to go through customs every time. So the best option actually is you have UK for itself and then you either use EFN or PEN-EU for, for, for the rest of Europe. And our, our recommendation, like if you are customer facing in terms of best customer services, having one uh, warehouse in the UK and one pan EU, so and starting, for example, from Germany, if your warehouse is in Germany or in Holland, that's probably the best uh, option for customers, like the way you will please most customers. However, it's most complex to uh, put in place, obviously, because you've got this VAT and logistics things where you have to ship products to the UK and you have to ship products uh, to Europe or to one of the, one of the uh, countries in Europe. Anybody's got any questions on the fulfillment options? If not, I'll go on. I can still uh, go back to it because the, the, the next point is one which is uh, super important and quite complicated, um, which is VAT. So uh, you need to know that Europe likes being a bit complex uh, and because each country wants to run their own show in a sense. So in terms of business, that makes it a bit complicated. So First is that the, the VAT rates can be different from one country to another. That's the first thing you need to know. And they evolve. For example, last year, Germany decided to reduce their VAT to boost sales during COVID, specifically sales of cars, because VAT, like two points of VAT on a car is a, is a big amount, right? So they wanted to support the uh, automotive industry, so they reduced it. So for a like, first period of time, it was 19% instead of 21 And it's like um it's 20 or 21 i always like i always i always have to check because you can see it's like you have to keep on on top of the numbers but that's typically okay as a seller you need to say okay 
Uh, do I adjust my price when it's moving 2%? What do I do? So that's typically, okay, the questions you could have uh, when you're selling into Europe. To be fair, it doesn't happen every year. That was very specific, but each country will still have a different VAT number. That's the first thing. The second thing you have to note, especially if you're from the US, that will be a surprise to you that in Europe, all prices which are displayed are always with VAT. When a European goes into a shop in the US, he's always surprised because he sees a price tag and then he goes to pay and then the amount is higher than on the price tag and say, what, 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 did, what happened? Like, you, what, and so in Europe, it never happens. A price tag always includes VAT. So that means when you're putting your price in your seller account, you're including VAT. So you need to know how much VAT uh, is for each country and you need to adjust depending on your country. And some countries like Northern Europe, for example, Denmark have 25% VAT. The rest normally are around 20%. But that you, you need to be careful and to check before you set your prices. Well, that's the two first things. Now, when how the process works is that the rule for VAT is that you're, you are due to pay VAT in the area where in your country where you stock your products. So if you stock your products in Germany and you sell to a Spanish customer, you will be uh, deemed to pay VAT or to, to repay VAT to the government in Germany because the stock is based in Germany. Now, if you put a stock in Germany and a stock in Spain and the Spanish customer buys in Spain, you need to declare VAT in Spain. That means you need to have a VAT number. And that has that's a, that's a big process because each country has a different process to give you a VAT number. And to give you an example, Italy, you would get it within one week. UK, probably two, two weeks if everything goes well. And to up to the most complicated one, which is probably Spain, which could take six months. So you need to understand that, okay, so the, if you decide to do Pan-EU, that probably will take you, yeah, between three to six months before you can really do that Pan-EU thing. So selling in Europe means a lot of retro planning and preparation, right? Now, you can, in the short term, still say, okay, I stay in Germany and I sell from my products from Germany, for example. Because this rule of, okay, you declare your VAT, the VAT in the, in the country where you are. Now, in terms of the process of how the VAT is paid, is Amazon will pay the VAT directly to the government. So Amazon collects, let's say you're selling uh, a phone, right? You sell phones and uh, or whatever this piece and it sells for uh, 10 euros nets 12 euros with vat the two euros amazon will keep the vat the two euro vat will keep and give it back to the government so you don't have to worry about paying it back to the government what you need to worry about is you need to file it so the government will expect you to file okay tell the government i gave you so you received two euros in my name in terms of vat that's where, so these are the two things. You need to find, create a VAT number or ask for a VAT number. And then you need to file that, uh, those VAT reports. And depending on the country, it could be on a monthly basis or it could be on a quarterly basis. Okay, so that these are the basic principles. And if anything is unclear, you can ping uh, a question. But so that's for the principle. Now, there's been a change which is happening on the 1st of July. And uh, they call it the one-stop shop. Uh, yeah, I think that. So 
Europe has decided to simplify its VAT process. In which sense is that now, if you're selling from, uh, if you decide to uh, base yourself in only one country, you will be able to declare VAT for all of Europe in that country. Before, like actually today, if you're selling, you're based in Europe, in sorry, in Germany, and you're selling in every countries, there was thresholds. That means if you were selling into France, after some amount, so it depends, every country is different, could be 50 to 100,000 per year, you had to declare VAT even if you didn't hold stock. So the European Union said, okay, let's simplify, which honestly is a great news. So basically with this one-stop shop thing is that you say, okay, whatever, however uh, big or my turnover is in other countries, if I'm if my stock is based in Germany, I need only to declare in Germany and I don't need any other VAT numbers. So if you were to decide to stay in one country, that simplifies your process very, uh, in a, in a, like, greatly. And the idea is that specifically if you're starting and you don't have so many uh, funding or you want to simplify your, uh, your whole process, you can use that and say, okay, uh, let's start in one big country, for example, Germany, but that's a big one, and focus on this one and do all the sales from this country. And that's thanks to the one-stop uh, shop thing. Now, this one-stop shop only works if you select the EFN option, the option with only one warehouse. So if we come back to here, it's only works in the option two. In the option one, if you remember the first rule, if you have stock located in a different country, you can't do the one-stop shop. Because basically you're locating the stock where and VAT is due where the, the last stock basically is based and sent to the end consumer. So you those two options are made are made even stronger with this new rule that the EFN option is a very simple one, less customer friendly because you have longer delivery term delivery windows for the end consumer. If you're based in, in uh, Germany and you want to deliver to south of Spain, it takes time. Any question? I think, Gary, you had one, no? Yeah, um, Jerome, I, I, I was going to ask about the distance selling thresholds, and you, you did answer that somewhat. And um, in terms of the change, I think this is very interesting on July 1st. And uh, I saw that you said, so let's say we're doing EFN, uh, European Fulfillment Network. We're going to send all of our inventory into Germany, for example. Um, so previously, I understood um, I only needed to file VAT in Germany, and then for the other countries, so long as I'm I'm under that distance selling threshold, you know, whatever it is for each country, I don't need to register for VAT in those other countries. I only needed to register for Germany, right? That's, so that's correct. Okay. So now, um, what has changed? Are, are those uh, distance selling thresholds, are they still valid or are, is there, is it unlimited? And I can sell like, you know, a million dollars in France and I still don't have to register for that. Um, what, what has changed specifically? So exactly. So is exactly what you said is basically, uh, let's say, uh, in the, like, if you were making like several millions in the U S and say, okay, this, this, my product has big potential in Europe. Uh, and if you you enter and you say, okay, very quickly, I will get to more than 100,000 per country, but you still want to be based in, in one country before you have to say, okay, 
like of course i need to start the process of getting the 80 numbers because it takes time but now um as you said it's limitless so you could if you stay in germany and whatever like you could do millions in france that's okay you you only need okay. to declare in, in germany which makes it to be honest much much easier yeah. and yeah. somehow the european union is sort of doing something between themselves and saying okay don't worry we'll reconcile it ourselves i see all right that sounds like good news then that sounds like it will make things uh, a little more simple um i mean not make everything simple but it sounds like you know that's good news all right it, it's an element of simplification the only question is and yeah. To be fair, most of the brands still want to go to Pan EU because that's the best customer experience. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at if your competitors have got prime one day delivery everywhere in Europe, you might say, okay, yeah. you know, if someone people are getting so used to get that one day delivery that, yeah. uh, for example, I'm based in France and Amazon in France is less big than in Germany. So a lot of products are coming from outside of France. And yeah. sometimes I get three days delivery and I sort of, I'm yeah. like probably 20 years ago, I would have been super happy with three days, but yeah. now it's like, wow, you know, three days, that's not, you know, I'll probably take another product with a one day right. delivery. So that makes sense. A lot of the brands yeah. with potential will say, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll still invest. So when you're looking at investing for uh, getting a, a pan European VAT service, let's mm -hmm. say it will be anything between yeah, six, seven, eight thousand uh, euros a year for all the countries, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you're about to make millions, that's probably an investment you, you can do. The, and the thing is, okay, you need to follow up on on the uh, on the different details and and reconciliation and stuff. But if your if your brand has got potential, you'll most of the brands will say, yeah, no, I still want to do penny. Yeah, makes sense. All right, I see what we have a question from uh, Sandeep uh, in. EFN, if a return happens and Amazon fulfills that order from a warehouse where we don't have VAT, then do we have to file VAT um, return okay. for that return? So now that's a very well done, Sandeep. Very good uh, question. Uh, and that's a tricky one. Um, and that that's because Amazon is not, it's a big machine and it's not always very sorrow. So what happened, like, one of the issues you can have, like returns normally is okay. Um, Amazon will, will handle the return on the FBA part. You, you don't need to worry that, about that. What you need to worry about and that happens is that typically, let's say you've got your stock in Germany and you've decided to be EFN, you've closed all the, like, all the other countries' FBA routes. You sell to a French customer, for example. The French customer buys your product, uh, didn't like it, sends it back to Amazon. Amazon says, cool, it took the product and say, mm, okay, it's it's in good shape, I can resell it. And on its own, by its own accord, it decides to sell it into France. Or like another customer is buying it and the system sees, ah, oh, have a have a SKU in, in France, which is on the return thing. Let's send that to him. Even though you've decided you didn't want to sell to France, right? Or you didn't want to sell directly to France. And then all of a sudden, you you're in a situation where the government, the French government, will say, uh -uh, "You've you've you've sold the product which was located, based, and stored in France, so you're due for VAT." And that's a tricky situation which can happen, and we've seen that. And honestly, Amazon doesn't really is not very sorrow on that, and they don't really care because they are not the ones who are in charge of 
like or are liable for that VAT stuff. So in this situation, normally you need to um, declare, like get a VAT number and declare it in France because the French government could go after you and, and make Amazon close your account, for example. So, or Amazon might even close themselves the account saying, ah, oh, you've had a sale in France and you don't have a VAT number in the seller account. So, and that's typically where you start to say, wow, that's one of those crazy stories you get only with Amazon because the system, like they have different right. systems working with different uh, targets. So, uh, normally, so my response is like, normally when returns comes, you don't need to worry. The only problem is that if Amazon keeps it in France and sells it, that that's yeah. that can be a problem. Yeah. Is there a way that you can turn that option off or you can, you know, destroy all of the returns? I know that. What 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 do you say to that, Joe, in your experience? Uh, like it's you can decide to to ask them to destroy uh, like defective returns or returns which are working. The problem is that Amazon is not transparent on the returns which are because yeah. sometimes they do you know wholesale deals or and yeah. that they're not very transparent on what's happening That's there. That's so to be fair, the, the safest way is just like, for example, you're in Germany and you decide to sell only to Germany. That's mm. your losing potential. Yeah. So for me, is that's why the one-stop shop is a great thing. But end of the day, the system will push you in a way to uh, be penny you. So like you've got two two options. Is either your market is very uh, like country specific. Like we have a, a, a customer who's selling uh, lamps, a, a specific design, which really works well in Germany, but the other countries never sold it. So like in this case, you say, okay, you might as well focus on your own country and, you know, build that a success. If you believe, which to be fair, in 95% of the case, it's true. If you believe that your market is actually in all of Europe, like the Amazon system is not <laughs> reliable enough in, in a sense to be very like sorrow, as I said, right. and you could say, okay, I'm, then you, you make a step-by-step -step approach with saying, okay, when should I start in which country? And then I, I plan that and you, mm -hmm. you just grow step-by-step. -step. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, you know, it's like one of the risks of doing business, right? I mean, it's, without any risk, you're not going to get out on that, the reward for all of those other, um, you know, potential businesses and, and countries. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And thanks Sandy for that question. That was very insightful. All right, Jerome, shall we keep going? Yes, we will. Um, so, and that's sort of a, a bit of a wrap up and what we would recommend uh, in uh, for everyone wanting to expand into Europe. You've got, uh, and I've given some tips already, but basically for me, you've got a two sort of, um, I've given two di very different options. Obviously you've got different shades of gray in, 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 in both of them. So the, the first one is like the longer term one, the one where you say, okay, we've got a big potential. We really want to address the European market. So in this case, as I said, it can take from one to six months. Uh, and we know very well because we have our own seller account in Europe. So we've, we've gone through the process. So we've gone through the, all those tedious steps of getting that VAT number and that's complicated. So the idea would be to say, okay, you, Target UK and Germany, because these are the two big countries where you want to send uh, stock to, and uh, you uh, start to do the process to acquire VAT numbers, and URI number is the number 
you will get once you get the first VAT number to do imports. So you, you select those two, you get VAT number in the UK first because that's easier and you rush to, to get the uh, German one and you start from there. And then as soon as you unlock the different countries with the VAT numbers, you, you, uh, you start to expand and just take it one step at a time and send stock little bit, little by little, just to test to see how things are going. So the long, long-term thing is you, you, you focus on those two big pillars, you, you, uh, UK, Germany, you send stock there and you uh, build from there, let's say, and with a view to be pan EU uh, compliant, let's say, or with the pan EU uh, system. Now, if you if you really want to rush, like ah, I want to go in in Europe and I want to be there on the first of July, selling, that's possible. The, the the way to do it short term and it can take fifteen days is you use Italy. So you can um, Italy is the simplest country uh, to 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 get into in terms of Amazon. Um, you so you create your account, you uh, list your products, you ask for VAT. It takes like a week, more or less. You send your products. When you send your products, they give you a URI number already. That's very, very streamlined. So in 15 days, you can have your products into your account uh, in, in seller, and you can start to sell using EFN. Um, and that's super simple. Uh, specific, like the last months or two, uh, Germany has had a lot of issues with uh, warehousing because they don't have enough space. So they've issued new rules. So they're asking people to send less stock because they're having troubles. We have a lot of uh, uh, like uh, situations where people have sent a truck, the truck couldn't deliver, was sent back, and that's specifically Germany. Italy is much smaller, you don't get these problems. So it's much easier, and so you can go very quickly. Um, in those two big countries, the UK and Germany, uh, like we've had situation from, for example, in the UK, because of Brexit, a customer had sent a container from uh, South Africa and it got blocked. They had to send the container back to South Africa and again send it. So obviously we were out of stock for a long time and you lose enormous sales. So yeah. Europe is a big potential and you, you can you can win, but you need to you need to have a strategy of step by step. It's focusing on one country being successful, preparing for the next one. And once you, you've got a bit of uh, meat on your bone, basically you go on the second one. Excellent. And yeah. that's, um, so that would be the wrap up of, well, uh, yeah, I wanted to share most like you, but I see we have questions, which. Yeah, we, yeah, sorry to interrupt. That, that was a great recommendation. I like how you broke it down between long-term and like a fast track, short-term strategy. And uh, we have a question from Khan Kip who asked, what is the cost for VAT and AORI numbers in EU and UK? And I would like to ask, what is the time? What's the amount of time it takes for these as well for EU and UK? So the, yeah, the, the costs, uh, so basically if you look at whole of Europe, depending on who, there are a lot of uh, good companies which are doing that. We, uh, we do that also. We have partners with whom we work and we, we, we can deliver that. Basically, whole of Europe would be between six and 8,000 and country by country would be anything, depending on the complexity, between a 1,000 to two, two and a half thousand euros a year. That's basically per country. How you get, the more countries you get, the more you know uh, bundled prices uh, you have. UK would take a very short time. So uh, 
like two weeks. Uh, Germany, as I said, can it's more about three months. Uh, France is on that like uh, path also. Spain is com very complicated because they they ask notary uh, documents, uh, which you have to go to a notary to send to them, and that's so that depending on on your side, that's more work for you. So that takes yeah from three to six months. So in total, you can get the first ones within the first months, and then big bulk within three to four months and the rest you know, within the six months costs yeah you can six to eight thousand in total the to get the vat numbers is not very expensive it's a it's a filing which uh, takes time and you need to have a, a certified people who uh, accountants which will do the um, the filing every month for you to the uh, authorities so yes. you have and to the file year, every and, month you sorry have to file every uh, for the filing let's say for for germany for example how often do you need to file so month? germany is only monthly a lot of other countries are quarterly so uk can be quarterly as far as i remember france is quarterly the others uh to be fair i, I can't remember but it's like that's why the cost can be different because the regulate like the authorities will have different rules yuri numbers it will come uh, immediately automatically once you have your VAT number basically you need to make sure when you're working with someone giving you the VAT number is that uh, they need to provide you the URI number and so to be fair the, the quickest mm -hmm. country to get a URI number was Luxembourg because it took me half a day because we're based in Luxembourg and I asked for a URI number and mm -hmm. the URI number you need only one for mainland Europe and only one for UK so for example if you started in Germany and uh, the German government got, gave you a URI number that works for the whole of Europe or Spain, for example, or Italy that works for all of Europe. So you don't need to ask for multiple URI numbers. You only yeah. one for mainland Europe and one for the UK. Yeah. Okay. So um, there was a question from Sandy and um, Sandy asked, can you apply for URI in Germany with your VAT number? But I think Sandy kind of got it mixed up. Like you should, should you get the URI first and then get the no, VAT? No. You, yeah. you ask for your VAT number and they only provide a URI number if you've got a VAT number. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Because what happens is when you import, you want to link your, because you will be paying taxes and VAT on those taxes on customs duties yeah. and stuff. And you want yeah. to link those costs with your VAT number so that you can sort of uh, get back those costs in a sense. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Thanks. Um, we had a question from RM. Yes the the replay will be available later so you can definitely check that out and i know some people in the us it's very early they're probably still in bed so uh, for our american friends you can catch the replay as well and a follow-up question from concip do you need fiscal representation for VAT filing in each country well that's part of the so the service and the fees i was talking about that's exactly that it's a fiscal representation with a uh, like a fiscal address, basically, uh, which will be provided by the the, the by if it's us, like uh, providing you that service to make sure that the government has an address. They can you know reach out to someone and say, okay, there's a legal representative in that country for, for that aspect. Okay, great. And we have a question from Grant. If you start with two countries, say UK and Germany, and operate pan EU. Is it a requirement to have product labeled in German for Germany and English for UK for the same ASIN? 
so yeah all countries in the world will tend to uh, ask for like uh, labels at least in their own language and uh, instruction manuals in their own language depending on your category and what the type of product you have it will be more or less enforced or mandatory right so the idea is that if you want to sell in Europe, yeah, you need to have labels in the local languages. There, yeah, there are ways to like make it not too expensive. You could have something you you a sticker you put on the on the packaging, or it can be a flyer you put with a product. Uh, some are a bit borderline, so it depends if you're if you're selling nutrients or health product that that could be a touchy subject. Uh, if it's like general products, my recommendation is always put is as one of the pictures on your listing, your labels or the instruction manual so that at least you can say no, but actually you've bought from it and you've got access to that documentation. So at least that's a, a workaround in terms of uh, if a legal team had to look at it, no, probably they would push you to have really uh, on the packaging itself all, all the details. The fact is for consumers, if you put your feet in the, uh, if you put yourself in the feet of the customer, having uh, like documentation in your own language is much nicer than have that in having that in English or very poorly translated, right, in your own language. All right, great stuff. Thanks. Okay. So let's, all right, let's keep going. Is um, any other questions, guys, feel free to, to drop it in the chat. And I, I saw that there were a lot of questions submitted earlier and Jerome and I, we, we took a look through those. Um, Jerome, did you want to address some of those pre-submitted questions now? Yeah, there was uh, the, a few of the question was a lot about uh, Europe and about the VAT and how you, you file that to, so in all of those questions, because sometimes uh, like even after webinar, it's still a bit, uh, confused my my recommendation is really try to talk to uh, there are a lot of companies which which provide good services is go and have a talk with someone on how they can help you uh, expand yeah. into uh, in, into Europe because the the VAT part and the fiscal part is the first sort of building block uh, you need to have in control and like I said because it takes uh, some time you need to really anticipate it's like if you want to be selling for for uh, Black Friday this year, you need to do it now, right? Because otherwise you won't be in, in time. And like November, December, or even October, the stocks uh, start to pile up and, and Amazon's got some restrictions. So you want to be earlier enough to, to have your, your, your products there. So yeah, do take a, a lot of time. Yeah, okay, excellent. We have a couple more questions from Conkip. In the services you offer to sellers, can they be custom made to the needs of the seller? Of course, like it's uh, our services is more about value add than really like it's uh, every, like Amazon is uh, each time we open a new account, we have new new issues and new questions. So obviously that like the principles uh, we work, we have a, a, a gross model basically where we start with strategy, looking at, okay, what type of products, where we want to start, as I said, you know, which uh, fulfillment method, uh, what, you know, buy box issues, distribution issues, that's strategy. Then looking at, okay, operations, who's going to do what? And then the two different things we look at is uh, conversion rates, so your content. I, do you have a good content to address your, your customers throughout Europe? Is it localized? Is it translated? 
And the last thing is, okay, advertising, bringing traffic to your pages once it, it, they are really good. So th the principles are the same for everyone. Like to be successful, it's, you need to have a great conversion rate. That yeah. if you want one, one metric or one takeaway, that's one. So now how we get to that will be different for every seller. And in this sense, it's really custom made. Now, one uh, strong thing is that we work with brands, brand owners, because um, on Amazon today, if you're not a brand owner uh, and you're not brand registered, it's very difficult to push your products. Uh, it's, it's only a price war, and we're not very interested to go into only price war, but building brands. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So let's keep going. Uh, we have several other questions as well. And um, is, is there anything else in the slides you'd like to show, or should I remove this slideshow? Yeah, you can remove Okay. All right. So Sandeep had a follow-up question. Do we need to file any other returns in any country other than the quarterly, quarterly return slash monthly return in Germany? Well, it depends where, you're where your stock is located. If your stock is only in Germany, you will have only to file uh, those in Germany. If your if your stock is in other countries, you you will have to file in other countries. Now, uh, in Germany, it's not quarterly; it's monthly. Uh, if if I understand well, returns. Uh, if it's if you're talking about like VAT uh, VAT compliance, that depends on where your stock is. Okay, excellent. And next question is from Bennett. If you use PAN-EU and send goods to fulfillment centers in EU under DDP basis, that's delivered duties paid from China, can we claim back VAT from the relevant EU country? So that's a wonderful VAT question. Thank you very much for that. VAT is so fun. Um, so the the answer is yes what happens is why that's why you need the yuri number and you need to have the vat number it's because when when you pay the vat the import vat it will be linked to your vat number so what you will have paid will be deducted from what you're receiving from from uh, from the customer so what happens is when you will be doing your um, your filing to or your compliance for the vat side the government will see that on your vat number you paid a VAT on your import, right? And they will see you are you're getting your you're getting VAT from end customers. So what happens is Amazon will be paying that amount to the government, and you will have to fight to say, hey, you know, you probably the government you owe me some money because uh, I paid you a VAT which should be uh, given back to me. So yes, you can claim that back. And that's why it's very important to make sure that you have the yearly number and the VAT number before you do the imports, so that they can. Uh, reconcile your import with your VAT number. Okay, excellent. And Sandeep follows. Yeah, that was saying, to his yeah. former question. Yeah. So yes, yeah. so in that case, it's if you're if you're so specifically from first of July, if your stock is only in Germany, your mm -hmm. reconciliation will be only in Germany. Now. That works only if you didn't like. If you had, if you had had to create VAT numbers in other countries, you can't give up on them. It's like you have those VAT numbers, and you still need to uh, file compliant. That's a problem. Is once the government has you in the, in the list, you still have to, even if it's zero, you still need to file for that. So the one-stop shop thing will start only for the new ones starting from uh, July first. Okay. 
And Jerome, I'm curious in terms of the filing and like the paperwork and the whole like, you know, number of man hours, how does that look like for, let's say for um, Germany, if you got to do this monthly, how does that look like for the average seller? So like if you're using a company uh, such, less, uh, such as us, it's like mm -hmm. there's zero time because uh, you give access to your seller account. They will uh, download the reports and do the filing for you. So that's zero time. So it's it's actually quite simple to do that. Um, and one note is that sometimes Amazon will uh, offer you that for free for one year. So my recommendation is not to do that. It's like they go through a good company, which is called Avalara, but it's in a way which is free, which doesn't make sense. And most of the time you end up with something which is not really well filed and you have to, you have to take over after some time. And it's like, you don't want to have that happen because it's, it's a mess. And for me, I'm not saying that because that's a service we, we've included. It's just because, you know, the cost, the cost in, to do that properly is not super high. Uh, and don't like, don't anything which is free, you need to be careful with Amazon's because it's in, in their benefit, right? And one of my strategy teachers said always, if it's if the product if if it's free, you're the product. So it's like uh, they are trying to get you, and like they're making it super easy, but there's nothing easy about VAT. So yeah, and Amazon not being a super v themselves when you're a vendor and you're selling with them, they they have a lot of issues themselves with VAT. So mm -hmm. it's not a good idea to let them handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And if I understand correctly, you said roughly for one country, let's say for Germany, it would cost about a thousand euros per year to it would. To yeah, it's business. any. So Germany is more expensive. So you would be more around the twenty five uh, uh, hundred a year. Uh, okay. Some countries are easier then it's it's cheaper. So that's okay. sort of the roundabout figure. OK, great. Thanks for clarifying that. So we have some more questions. Let's keep going, guys. We have a couple minutes left. Uh, Konkiv asks, do you help brands from hijackers and how? Uh, so the, we, we don't specifically uh, work on hijackers. Uh, we help brands grow. And as we help them grow, if they have issues with hijackers, yeah, we take care of that. We've got uh, a, a legal uh, side and we've got uh, lawyers, which are specifically uh, good on e-commerce and then yeah we, we do what it takes to get them removed but it's not something we focus on specifically sometimes uh, depending on how you set up your products have you how you uh, certify your product it can be very complicated issues and it's difficult to like give a promise without uh, like it takes a lot of time uh, that's for sure okay okay great thanks and our next question from Lindsay. If you are selling from UK Amazon only and a customer orders from an EU country, will there be extra taxes for either seller or customer? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, so normally, yes, uh, there should be. So, uh, so thank you for that very nice question. Um, I believe you, I think you can't, really now uh, at this stage i think it's it's blocking you because there is an, uh, an issue of like you need to pay customs uh, at one point and you need to have someone who's like responsible for importing the product in into europe so like you have to have a fiscal representative or a brand representative so amazon can you can pay now amazon for for them to do it uh so 
if the product is EU based or, and was from the EU, it should be possible because there's no customs. Uh, if the product is China based or like outside of EU based, it, it should be, it's probably complicated. To be fair, all the brands we're working with, we are uh, we're getting them to have stock in the different countries. So I don't. I think it's you're going into a lot of trouble if you're trying to fulfill EU orders from Amazon UK. Okay. But if you have like, if you want me to dig, you just uh, pick me afterwards. Uh, we can dig into exactly if that's allowed. I I believe it's there's limitation today to do that. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, we have a couple more um, questions left, but I wanted to um, offer an opportunity for you guys because Jerome has very generously offered um, complimentary 15-minute consultation call with e-commerce if, uh, if you're interested in learning more. So uh, did you want to talk a little bit about that? And then I'm going to share the link in the chat for people that are interested. So yeah, we we, uh, we specialize specialize in helping brands grow on Amazon in, in Europe, but also outside of Europe. But uh, so if if you're a brand, you, you've registered your brand, and you want to have more advice of okay on the, all those issues about VAT, about how to expand, like uh, you go on to www.ecommerce.com/calendar, uh, and you can book uh, time with one of our experts uh, who will go through it and see if. There's anything we can help you with, or how we can uh, take some of your specific pro uh, issues and be help of, of help. What we uh, like the things which are complicated is if you have if you don't own a brand and you've got hijackers problem or a very specific problem, it can be complicated. Sometimes to like find a way to help you specifically. So for us, it's like the the if you don't have a brand. Like think about registering a brand and and to be able to have much more power on Amazon. Otherwise, it's very difficult to find your way through the Amazon maze. Okay, excellent. So um, definitely check out this opportunity to connect more with uh, Jerome and his team if you like some help expanding to Amazon EU. And then the URL is e-comas.com/calendar. And then I've shared the link in the chat as well. We have a couple more questions before we're out of time, guys. So Konkip asks, is there any difference if you register now for one-stop shop or after July 1st? Uh, I, not, not, not any difference I know of. Uh, the only thing is that make sure you don't go through any threshold before before the 1st of July, because then the, I don't know what, what happens if it triggers the fact of having to register a VAT number. So just to be on the safe side, try to register as soon as you can. That would be my recommendation. Okay, great. And I want to get to some of the pre-submitted questions. So I'm going to read off um, a couple with our remaining time left. Um, one person had a question about expanding to EU in terms of how will I know if what I am selling in the US will work in the European markets. Jerome, any advice to them? That, wow, great question. Um, my like uh, gut feeling or like simple response is like, look at what's happening on the European market. Uh, make a research on amazon.co.uk, amazon.de, look for the products, look for similar products. And if you see, you've got tools like such as Helium 10, which will give you an idea of how big 
the market is for those products. And that's the first thing you have to look at. Second step is, you know, talk to an agency like e-commerce and we'll help you understand uh, like uh, the potential and what's behind it, the number of demands uh, for the researches for keywords around your products. That gives you an idea. Perfect. Um, I want to talk a little bit about logistics because it seems like 2021 logistics is really the, the million dollar question, whether you're going to make it or break it this year. Um, how is it looking in terms of the Amazon, you know, the IPI restrictions in Europe? Um, and then are, would you recommend any 3PLs to kind of circumvent these low restock limits? What are your thoughts on that? That that's indeed the one million dollar question. Um, clearly, Europe is lagging behind in terms of logistics and logistics suppliers. Uh, in the same way, you have that in the US. Why is because it's very complicated to do logistics between countries. Like having one country within one country is like you can optimize it. As soon as you have another country, it's another legal entity. And so it's today. Um, th this service is just growing. So we have partners also which do 3PL. So we're trying to address that uh, demand specifically by exactly as you say, is that if, uh, and specifically after COVID, Amazon, I think is saturated. So that they've said with IPI scores and specifically in Europe, they've started to ask people to decrease uh, right now. So you're right. In those uh, instances, then you can say, okay, having a stock and, Having, for example, a warehouse in Holland, like uh, we have with one of our partners, is is a good way because your container arrives through Rotterdam and you put it in an unabundant warehouse, so you don't have to pay customs, for example. So there are ways to, to go through that, and if you have questions, just get go, come to us. We'll see how we can help. Excellent. All right. So we are at the hour. So uh, thank you, Jerome, for this Pleasure. excellent value-packed session on how to expand your business to Amazon EU. We cover a lot of the nitty-gritty when it comes to VAT, when it comes to Aori. Um, I, I love your breakdown between like the short-term strategy with Italy versus the long-term with UK and Germany. So you got the, the whole base covered. Uh, I'm curious, you know, I love the 80-20 rule. You know, if you were to apply the 80-20 rule, Jerome, with everything that we covered today, what would be your number one recommendation to our audience so that they can expand successfully into Amazon Europe? Yeah, my, my uh, from my experience and what we say to most of the brands is like, don't don't look at short term with Europe. Europe is a is a mid to long term thing in the sense that, as I said, you build, you have to build one country after it's a bit painful and it's, but it's like, once you're there, you're there and it's very difficult to get you out. So take your time, build it and plan it and just, you know, talk to people. And if you have not enough resources in us and so on, you can find an agency like us, so you can find someone, but it's like invest in the time and it will pay off. Perfect. Invest in the time and it will pay off. Perfect. All right, Jerome, um, what's the best way to connect? for people that want to learn more? Should they book a call with you or did you want to share some contact info? Yeah, so you have the contacts on, if you go on e-commerce uh, slash calendar, you've got uh, contacts to our team or you can go to ecommerce.com and ping us directly from there and we'll, we'll be there. We've got, uh, we're very active on LinkedIn, on Facebook. So all those are a great way. To